Where you go, I'll go. Where you'll stay, I'll stay. I'll follow you. You know, that's what Christianity is all about. Following Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. This isn't about some religious instructions or rituals, but it's about a personal relationship with a real person who is taking you and I on a journey. I want to talk about that today. The title of my sermon is The Narrow Way. Please turn to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. While you're doing that, I want to welcome everyone that's joining us around the world on our internet services, or uh, perhaps you're on Facebook. You're very welcome to be with us today. Matthew 7 and 11 following. We're coming to the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so we are looking at his concluding remarks as, re as he reflects on the greatest sermon ever preached. Matthew 7, 11 following. <clears throat> if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven Give what is good to those who ask him. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. I uh, purposely mixed a few passages together. Normally you'd speak on, ask and it shall be given to you, and uh, you being evil, God will give good gifts, and you'd use that as a sermon. Or you might go down to where it speaks about false prophets and you might do a sermon on false prophets and uh, what they're like and how you could recognize them. But I wanted to span these three passages so that you could see my main passage in context. If you ever really want to understand a verse of scripture normally, you can understand it if you read a few verses before it and a few verses after it. It's called context, and it's one of the most important truths in understanding the Bible. As I said, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And where Jesus is saying, ask your father and know that he will give you good things because you would give your children good things. So how much more, if we are relatively evil to goodness of God, will Father give good things to those who ask him? But that's linked to the next verse that says, in everything therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat. So in other words, to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, you can't just take that verse and do it. You need to know that if the Father is providing for you and you're asking him, then you're free to treat others how you would like them to treat yourself, even if they treat you badly. You see, the problem is, is that most Christians will begin to treat people as they'd like them to treat them, but when they don't treat them good back, then they distance, they don't want to do anything, they don't think it's fair. But the Sermon on the Mount says we're to love our enemies. 
How can you do all these things? Well, you can do all these things if you know that your provision comes from the Father. Then you can treat people as you'd like them to treat you. And whether they treat you well back or not, it doesn't ultimately matter because God's going to provide for you, not them. Do you understand? So these two verses being linked together, you can't have one without the other. You can't treat others as you want them to treat you unless... You are going to the Father and asking and seeking and knocking and believing that he will give you provision. You can't do it. You can't do the one without the other. And then it moves into this enter through the narrow gate, and I'll be coming to that. This verse, enter through the narrow gate, the narrow way, as opposed to the broad way. This is a summary of how we to approach the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a new way a new way of living, and its principles are narrow, not broad, and they need faith. And so when Jesus says, go on the narrow path, he's talking about apply the principles of the Sermon on Mount to your life. Be merciful, then God will be merciful to you. Be a peacemaker, and then you'll be known as a child of God. Have a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees. Give to those that don't give back to you. If someone's suing you for your shirt, give them your coat too. Love your enemies. All these principles, without God, you'd be destroyed by them. Without God, if you loved your enemies, you'd be destroyed. Without God, if you gave to those that didn't give back, you'd end up with nothing. Without God, if someone was suing you for your shirt and you gave them your coat, they'd probably take your shoes too. Without God, it doesn't work. But with God, it does work. That's why the Sermon on the Mount is all about living your life in an audience of one. Thinking about what the Father thinks of it. That's why when you give, do it in secret. Why? Because then nobody will reward you, but your Father in heaven who sees what's in secret will reward you. You're not doing it for others, you're doing it for God. When you pray, don't make a big fuss and shout down a microphone, but shut the door. Do it where no human being can see what you're doing or reward you. The only person is an audience of one, the Father, and what he sees you doing in secret, he will reward you. This, this is a radical way of living, so it's a narrow way to do what God is calling us to do. Now, the first thing in this verse it says is, enter, verse 13 of Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate. So before we can get on the narrow path, we have to get, on the, get through the narrow gate. And this is a very, very narrow, narrow gate. I was thinking about narrow doors and narrow gates, and, and the thing that I thought most of was... Um, the narrow turnstiles that you find at some stadiums and, and football stadiums. Sometimes I can get a little bit claustrophobic. And when I go down to uh, the local stadium or when I go down to my team, which is the Den, Millwall, uh, you'd think that would be scary enough. But as I've got my ticket and I'm about to enter into block 42, front row, and as I'm, I know that I've got to go through the narrowest of turnstiles. I mean, have you ever been to these stages? They're about this wide. Some people can't get in. They're about this. 
and I have to take a breath, I take my ticket and I enter and I'm suddenly starting to feel, I give it to the man or the woman by who's doing it and I'm like, hurry up because I'm feeling so narrow and then I get through and I'm, and I'm all right. Well, Jesus said this in John 14, 3 when he was preparing his disciples for his death, resurrection and ascension. He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where you are, that where you may, uh, where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way that I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know the way that you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He also says in John's gospel, I am the door, I am the gate. In other words, if you want to come to God and if you want to be on the narrow path that leads to life and leave the broad path that leads to destruction, you've got to come through the turnstile of trusting Jesus. There's no other way, on, no other way to get on the narrow path that leads to life than through the turnstile that is Jesus himself. You can't get on the, the path to eternal life any other way. Now, Jesus is wide in his invitation for people to come through him to have eternal life, to believe that he died for their sins, rose again, and seated at the right hand of the hand. If you believe Jesus died for your sins and rose again, you've just entered through the turnstile. It's wide. Anybody can go through this turnstile. Christian, Muslim, Hindu, uh, Buddhist, atheist. The invitation is to everybody indiscriminately. You can come to salvation and come on this narrow path to eternal life through the turnstile of Jesus if you believe. But although it's a broad invitation, there's no other way. God didn't send his son Jesus to earth to become a human being and die for our sins as one option amongst others. If God so loved the world, he sent his only son to die on the cross, then don't think there's other turnstiles by other so-called prophets or other ways of, of, of receiving eternal life. It's a narrow gate. You know, I'm going to read a passage from the very famous Christian book written in the 1600s called Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, one of the greatest selling Christian books of all time. And it's all about a person called Christian who takes a journey through many toils and dangers to reach the eternal heavenly city. On his way, an evangelist, he's called Evangelist, comes to him and shows him and points out the narrow gate or the door that he can get onto the road uh, that leads to eternal life. And as he reaches this gate, this narrow gate, a person called Goodwill comes and meets him. I thought it might be someone from West Africa for a while. (laughs) Is there anybody here called Goodwill? Well, Goodwill from West Africa comes and says hello to Christian. Actually, Goodwill is Jesus himself. And so he speaks to Goodwill and Goodwill says, yes, this is the narrow door to the path to eternal life. And Christian says, I'd like to come in. And when Christian says, I'd like to come in, 
goodwill, or Jesus, grabs him and pulls him in. And Christian is a bit like, what was that about? That was a bit violent, pulling me in. But it's a, a great truth that Jesus invites us, but when we come to the moment of entering into the narrow gate, he pulls us in before the devil can get hold of us. And so they have a conversation, and it goes like this. Christian says, Why, to be truthful, I do not know what would have become of me had not evangelist arrived at just the right time when I was feeling sorry for myself and so miserably depressed. But it was the mercy of God that he came to me again, for otherwise I would never have come to this place. Nevertheless, I have come, unworthy as I certainly am, and more deserving of death by means of that Mount Sinai than the privilege of standing before my Lord to talk with him. But oh, what a gracious privilege it is for me to gain entrance here. Then goodwill, Jesus says, we do not object to any entering here. Despite all they have done in the past, they are no way cast out. Therefore, my good Christian, walk a little distance with me. And I'll instruct you about the way ahead that you must pursue. Look ahead of you. Do you see this narrow way and how it goes ahead of us? Then this is the way along which you must go. It was established by the patriarchs, prophets, Christ and the apostles. It is as straight a way as it's possible to find. This is the way that you must go. Christians said, but are there no turnings or windings or detours by means of which a stranger can lose his way. And Goodwill said, yes, there are many side paths that attach to this narrow way. They are crooked and wide, but you must distinguish the right way from that which is the wrong by observing that it is straight and narrow. Do you know the early Christians, the very early Christians in the book of Acts didn't call themselves the church and didn't call themselves Christians. But the early Christians referred to themselves as the way. Now, I thought maybe this was just once or twice, but when you look at the book of Acts, you can see that this was their common name. They referred to themselves as the way, and those outside Christianity referred to them as the way. And I just want to read these verses so that you can get in your mind that Christians are part of the way. Let's turn to Acts 9, verse 1 to 2. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against his disciples, the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, say the way, both men and women. Next, Acts 19, 9. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of before the people. Acts, uh, I got, was that 1923? Acts 22.4. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison. Acts 24.14. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they called a sect, and then Acts 24, 22. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about, put them off, saying. And so there you can see that the early Christians saw themselves as called the way. They, they, They were on a journey. 
This wasn't about rules and regulations. This was about a path that they were following that was very different to the path that everybody else was following. If you were converted, they would say to you, okay, welcome to the way. And your response would be, well, how do I walk upon this way? What is this way? How does it act in my life? When we look at the passage here, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there's few who find it. No, there's, there's only two paths. There's the wide road that leads to destruction and is destructive by nature to human life. But then there's a very narrow path with a very narrow turnstile. And it's very narrow and there's very few that are on it compared to the many that are on the broad, wide uh, road to destruction. You know... I was on holiday a few weeks ago in the German Alps on the border of Austria. And uh, I did quite a few walking on quite a few paths during that time. And I noticed that in some of the areas, there would be great coach loads of tourists that would come into a site of, of, of beauty. And, and what they would do, because many of them would be ha have a helter-skelter uh, sort of like week right across Germany or Europe, they would all drive in in their hundreds and thousands, get out of their buses, go up a very wide road to the place where you have a great view, they'd take a selfie, and then they'd go back down, get on their coach, and go to the next stop. It's all they could do. That's how they were having a holiday. One quick stop here, seeing the quick sights, and going. But I've been to this, the Alps quite a few times, and over the years... I found a desire, as I've read and studied, to go on the less traveled routes, the routes that are historic, perhaps the old salt mine routes or, or some of the pilgrim routes, and not all of those are widely known. In fact, when I discovered some of these, these small routes and looked on my map of the area, I couldn't find them there. So I went into a German bookshop and uh, said, you know, there's all these historic routes that I can't, I can't find on my map. And they said, that's because your map is too large a scale. They're, they're only the big features are on that one. What you need is a, a 1 to 25,000, and then you begin to see it. So I bought some of these maps, and all of a sudden, as I opened these maps, I could see a lot clearer where these small, hidden untraveled by and large routes were. I went to one particular place and, and there was the big car park and there was all the coaches and hundreds and thousands of people getting off to see the sights and then move on. And then according to my map, I could see just up above this car park, there was a hill and then that, that was where the path was. So while they were all milling around, I went up this hill in the car park and then immediately over the hill about a minute later, I was in a totally different environment. I'd left the crowds behind. They were going up the broad tarmac route, easy route to an easy place for sightseeing. And I found myself on a route that was less traveled. I think this is a, a good picture about what we're talking about when we're talking about the narrow way that Jesus is speaking about. You see, when you follow the Lord... 
and you go his way, you're going to find a number of things that I found. You're going to find that this path that you're following is uh, not a popular path. And as it says, there are few that find it, number one, let alone few that travel on it. You're going to find that, that this path is not well trodden. There's not going to be many examples around where you can say, oh, is this how you walk the narrow way of, of, of Christianity, the narrow way of following Jesus? And you're going to find that most people won't know what you're talking about. You know, we want to follow Jesus, but you won't find him on the broad road that leads to destruction. Is it possible for a Christian to enter through the narrow gate of faith in Jesus and end up on the broad way? Yes, of course it is. If you've come through the narrow gate by faith in Jesus, you're going to heaven, no doubt about that. But you can still act and live as if Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was not relevant at all. And Jesus' words, you, you can be a Christian and live like a non-Christian, that's what I'm saying. And although you may get, up in get to heaven by grace, then you're on a road that not just leads to destruction, it is destruction. If you live according to the world, destruction will come to you in the world. You might get to heaven, but you'll get there all battered, bruised, torn, and your life will have been, mean very little to you, others, or even God. But if you go on the straight path, the narrow path, then you will begin to find Jesus in new ways. That's where he is. He's not on the broad road of the destruction. That's where he is. He's on the narrow. That's where you'll find him. Sometimes we're saying, where are you, Lord? And he's saying, not where you are. I'm on a different path. Come, join me. Get off that broad path. And the path is broad. I mean, it's so broad, you can believe what you like, as long as it's not Jesus. I mean, the path is so broad, you can live like you like. You can think like you like. You can be a number of any religions and none. You can be anything you want except following Jesus. That's a different path. That's why so many people find themselves on the broad path that is destruction. But Jesus is found in the narrow way. The narrow way of the Sermon on the Mount. And choosing to go God's way in whatever situation that we find ourselves. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us. But he's not going to help anybody on the broad way unless it's to get them off the broad way and back on the narrow way. You see, the Holy Spirit works to the blueprint of the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, I'm specifically speaking about the Sermon on the Mount. You could use the whole of God's word, but let's start with the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached that can only be lived if you're spirit-filled and trust in your Father in heaven. The narrow way is hard, but it leads to life. The broad way is easy, it seems, but will surely bring destruction of some sort of or other into your life and circumstances. You know, I think of Jesus in Matthew 16, verse 24. Speak a little bit about following himself. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
You know, immediately when we read that passage, we think, lose? I don't want to lose anything. But Jesus says there's a loss that finds. Have you ever gone God's way to your own loss? I mean, the Sermon on the Mount is full of situations where you will go God's way to your own loss before you receive a reward or before you get fresh life. Can you look at your life and say, yep, there's times I've gone God's way at my own cost, but you know what? Having done it, I'm glad I did it. Because God did something or, or became something to me because of it. There's something beautiful about following Jesus. There's something wonderful about spirit-filled obedience. There's something wonderful about carrying your cross and going God's way at your own cost real cost for his service, knowing that you will find life. So on this path, it's hard, but it's good. The narrow way is the hardest path, but it's the, it's the greatest path. On the narrow way, you have to make hard decisions, but at the same time, you will experience Jesus and his kingdom of God in ways that you will never experience on the broad path. The Sermon on the Mount is narrow, it's narrow about loving. It's narrow about giving. It's narrow about forgiving. It's narrow about what you believe. It's narrow about your decisions. It's all there from the Beatitudes right through and the rest of the New Testament. It's narrow. I'm going to ask you later on today, what narrow decisions are you to make on the crossroads or junctions of your life right now? This path, the narrow way, is less travelled. You don't meet many people on it. But when you do meet people on the less travelled way, you've got a connection. When I'm up on those, uh, those less travelled ways, they're harder than the broad ways. And I, some are too hard for me. My son can do them. I can't do them. But you're walking and there's hardly anybody on it. You don't meet them for, for ages. And then you meet someone and immediately you know. You know that they know that you know that they know that you have both studied the area, that you've found this ancient path that hardly anybody knows about, and that you've made the effort to go on it. You see, you need to study the map in detail if you really want to put it to work in your life. A broad understanding or a broad map is not enough to travel these less traveled paths. You need to get down. You need to magnify, dig deep. That's why at the end of this passage, you'll get the, the person that digs in the rock and puts his house on the rock and the person who puts their house on the sand. You dig deep into the word of God and you, you put it to work in your life. And, and what does it do? It, it puts you on the path that brings life and significance to you right where you are. And so it's not enough just to know your Bible a little bit. That's like having a map where you can't even find the roots on it. It's not enough to hear from prophets that are constantly saying to you, it's going to be all right, you're the head, you're, you're, the head, you're not the tail. God's, God just wants to bless you any way you want. Uh, name it and claim it and, 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 and all these things. And all the while people are believing it and getting on the broad path and finding that it doesn't work. Let me tell you something, the broad path is destructive. It does not work. But the narrow way, the narrow way is hard. Oh, but it's a beautiful hard. 
Like those of you that like to work out, it's hard when you work out, but how do you feel at the end of it, eh? It's like I go swimming when I can, and I never want to go swimming. And then you get that I'm sitting in my car in the leisure centre, shall I, shan't I, shall I, shan't I, shall I, shan't I? And then, I'm, then I go, but at the end of it, I feel like a Premier League soccer player. <laughs> I'm not, but that's how I feel. It was hard, but it resulted in life, energy, health and strength. This is the key to walking the kingdom way. And when, when you do meet someone, you know it, you know it. And uh, there is a greeting that they use in German and, and Austria in this area where people that, that really know how to walk and really know these hidden paths that the crowds don't go to. And uh, I want you to say it to your neighbour on your left on your right. I want you to turn to them. I'll explain in a minute. And I want you to say to them, Gruß Gott. Gruß Gott. Say it to Gruß Gott. <laughs> Only those that know about these unwalked paths know Gruce God. You know what it means? God's grace. Amen. You won't get that. I'm not, I'm not having to go at the crowds. You understand? I'm using it as an, I'm speaking in metaphor and simile. To, you won't get that with the crowds. You'll get a high. How you do it, if anything. But on these lonely walks, when you meet someone and you know that they know that you know and that you've read your maps and that you've done your study and you look at each other, you say, Gruce Scott, God's grace. Well, when you're on the narrow path, you will. They're few and far between, even in the church, but there'll be times when you'll be talking to someone and they'll be talking about their experience on the narrow path, how they lost, yet in losing, gained. And you will resonate with how God's worked with you and, and how they followed Jesus on the narrow path. It was hard, but it was so good. And, and you'll see God's grace in their life. Grace in hardship, blessing in pain, strength in them. The strongest people are on the narrow way. They're strong, their legs are strong, their spirit is strong, they're, they're, they're hardened to walking. You don't need any strength any spiritual strength on the broad way. That's, that's for fools. But on the narrow path, you'll find the wise and God's grace will be with you. Less traveled, hidden. Sometimes I've been on these, these paths, these ancient paths, and I'm, and I'm walking according to, to the map and your Bible is your map. And I'm walking according to the word. I'm thinking, well, this is the way. This is the truth. This is how I'm meant to live. Even to my own pain hurt, I have to go this way and I'm going to do it. And then suddenly, back in the other, in the other idea of, of walking in the mountains, suddenly the path's gone and it's just growth. And I'm like, where do I go from here? You ever been on the narrow path and wondered, where do I go from here? And I thought, well, I don't, there's no path here. But it says on my map, there is a path. So what will I do? I'll just walk by faith in this until I find the path again. And the path was there all along. What narrow path decisions do you need to take at your present junction of life? It'll be different for every one of us. It's the decisions you need to make about people around you. It's the decisions you need to make about integrity, about putting the Lord first. 
because you want to be on the path where you'll discover and find him and where the Holy Spirit is working according to a pattern based on the Sermon on the Mount that is to form you, bless you, and strengthen you. I mean, I I haven't walked this path yet, but maybe one day I will. The path that says, blessed are the persecuted. Rejoice and leap with joy, for so they did to the prophet. I haven't walked that path, but but maybe God is going to prepare us to walk that path because they're the happiest people in the world. You say, how can that be? You're talking broad talk. You see, broad talk doesn't talk faith. Broad talk talks as if there is no God, no Father in heaven that sees what you do in secret. No Father that sees that you paid a price to go his way. You paid a price and nothing happened. In fact, you lost. That's when you believe whether there's a Father in heaven or not. Because it's counterintuitive walking on the narrow path. It's that narrow. It it goes against all carnal thinking. It's that narrow. But I tell you what, you will discover God on the narrow path. Things I discovered on the narrow paths in Germany, views and sites and, uh, uh, and ancient ruins, I'd have never have discovered them if I hadn't looked closely at my map, done my research, research and decided to go the unpopular way. I haven't got time to apply. I'm speaking in general terms today. I haven't got time to apply the Sermon on the Mount to your life today, but Really, it's what does God want you to do in any given circumstance? What's the right thing to do by Jesus? That's where the Holy Spirit is waiting to anoint. But I will mention my book I wrote a couple of months ago called The Isaac Factor, getting ready for more of the Holy Spirit. Because there's a whole chapter in here about how to apply the Sermon on the Mount and other chapters about how to walk the narrow way with the power of the Holy Spirit. So I mention that because it's available for you. And also, I'm not taking any, any money from this book at all. It's all going into KT Arabic Missions. So you can get this for £8 or two for £15, or you can get it on Amazon and Kindle. It's just a thought. Some of you might want to go a little bit deeper into this. But I'm going to call the worship team up here, because I've done enough. And I just want you to think to yourself, about where you are and what paths you are taking right now. How are you treating people? Are you treating them as you'd like them to treat you? What about people that you to treat like you'd like them to treat you, but they won't treat you the same back? What about your enemies? I've got a whole passage in my book on enemies. What about the Beatitudes, the blessings? What about the scriptures? What about the things you know to be true and that are part of the narrow path? What narrow path decisions do you need to make today? The Holy Spirit will help you as your guide. Have you been on the broad, destructive path where many preachers have even preached people onto it and the church is no different to the world except it's gone through the straight gate but it's on the broad road to destruction and it's destructive in their present day lives? Are you on that road? Get off it. It's just one step away. I've chosen a couple of songs I just want us to worship the Lord with us as we do business with God and allow anything that God has said today to settle into us. Get on the narrow path. It's tough. 
but it's beautiful. Let's stand together.